let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Good evening, folks. Uh, Monday, the 15th of November. Myself and Steve are back for tonight's podcast. We're back, Steve. We had an extended break there, but we're back. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an international football, like, it's grand, but at the same time, you, you kind of miss the, you miss the game every couple of days or whatever the case may be, so, um, yeah, it's nice to to start looking forward to club football again, I think. Yeah, we'll we'll touch on, we'll touch on a bit on international football, I know you want to talk about um, the Republic of Ireland and their sort of win streak, is Four games, ten goals, none conceded, as well. Which is, uh, we'll obviously get into that and different things. And Stephen Kenny's reign, pardon me, is probably Ireland manager and how it's going. Um, we'll look at as well. The hurry hands of Qatar has written another blog, and um, <laughs> he, <laughs> this is a work of art. Actually, I think he's written a blog today. It's come out uh, criticizing Stephen Gerrard, Connor Cody. Uh, whoever he could get his hands on, his hurry hands on, and, and we're going to go through it because it really is something special. Um, and then we'll talk about just different things within and around football and within sport generally. It is just myself and Steve tonight. Uh, Brenton has absolutely bollocks his back, so he's lying flat on his on his oversized bed because he's an oversized human. Hopefully recovering. Uh, Johnny's unavailable, and Patrick is at one of his courses tonight, so they'll be listening to this tomorrow morning. Um hopefully enjoy the podcast as well but they'll be back next week so don't worry they'll be there um Stephen, you texted into the group last night saying you want to talk about something because you felt like you might owe someone an apology yeah which is not like me um, no <laughs> it's not like me at all but i kind of i kind of hummed and hawed about Stephen kenny um because i i could see that there was there was something happening, but it felt like when you lose a home to to, to Luxembourg, kind of doesn't matter what you're doing. That like whatever pl- the plan is, you need to change the plan. But fair play to Stephen Kenny since that result, they've had ten, is it ten games at one defeat, and that one defeat is a game against Portugal in Portugal where they were winning for eight for you know until the eighty ninth minute. So. Um, and upset Cristiano Ronaldo as he tends to do late on to, to take the game away from them but like with the proviso that it was Luxembourg okay which is a team that are improving and definitely a team that are modelling themselves on Iceland and being you know a core group of players coach really well playing a nice style of football like once Ireland turned it on last night um they were really impressive. Like two of the three goals were really, really well worked team goals. As good a team goal as I've seen Ireland ever score. And I saw a great stuff from uh, Andrew Kinnean, uh, who I think you know. Um, yeah. That in the last decade, Ireland have 
played away from home and completed more than 400 passes just five times. Four of those have come in the last 14 months under Stephen Kenny. So there's absolutely no doubt that we're playing the right style of football. We're playing it from the back. Gavin Vizuno and Golds, like, looks a phenomenal footballer. Like, not just a goalkeeper. He looks a really good footballer. Um, I thought Jason Knight when he came on was really good. Um, Callum Robinson is obviously a different player. And you know what it is? This is why I own the apology. Every single player that Stephen Kenny gets his hands on at international level plays better for their country than they do for their club and play beyond like some of these footballers are league one footballers and look like premier bottom half of the premier league footballers when they play for ireland that has to be down to kenny and his philosophy and i think it's it's really hard to kind of say oh fuck i got that wrong but i did like once we lost to luxembourg i was i was out like i was and i had been such a staunch defender but I suppose it's that expression, it's a cliche, with the night is darkest just before the dawn. Um, and that's what it feels like. That feels like it's such, it feels like a pivotal moment in, in Irish football. Um, and yeah, fair play to Stephen Kenny for turning it around. And like you said, it's, it's uh, 10 goals, 14 sheets in the last four games. And there's a game against Portugal in there um, with all their fire. Now people will say they arrested some players. They still had Bruno Fernandes. They still had Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, to keep them a clean sheet against that Portugal side is no mean achievement. Um, so, yeah, I just think fair play. And it just goes to show that the criticism of Ireland has always been, we don't have the players. Well, maybe we just didn't have the manager. Um, and this is... I will alienate, alienate now 99% of our listeners because I'm old and they're not. Um, but I always I always look back at the players we had at Italia 90, uh, that Ireland had at Italia 90. And the style of football we played got us to a World Cup. If we'd have actually tried to play football, I think we could have won a World Cup because we had some really skillful and technical players. And the attitude to Ireland as a football nation since then has always been, oh, it's long ball, it's defenders who can, you know, head the ball 60 yards. And we still have that. Like Shane Duffy is still probably the best header of the ball in world football. Um, but I think it, it has it has impinged on the psyche of Irish football since that, like there's only, we can, we can only put them under pressure. That's the only way we can play. When actually, as we've seen over the last, 12 months in particular yeah play really nice to watch football um and like you know with that comes risk like you said Luxembourg nearly scored last night because our, the goalkeeper tried to play it out from the back but I would much rather have one opportunity gifted to the opposition because of that and the benefit is that you create five more chances yourself because you're not just hoofing it long and losing possession straight away so I just think there's lots of green shoots there and it was worth acknowledging, especially as someone who won the last time we discussed Irish international football was so harsh on Stephen Kenny. So that that is my apology to my my namesake. I was watching um I was watching um off the balls, uh I think Scotland just scored by the way against Denmark. I was watching off the balls um uh newspaper roundup yesterday. They always do on a Sunday. Um, and also it was heavily rugby related, obviously naturally for beating the All Blacks. But they did talk uh, as well. Kieran Cunningham and Gavin Comiskey were on, 
and they were talking about Stephen Kenny, and and both of them were of the opinion of Alvin that they were supporting him, and and I don't know Gavin enough, but I know Kieran from following Kieran. He's always been of that mindset, like you know, you give him a couple of campaigns and you talk about it and he broke it down really really simply and I'm sure you thought this as well people saying about whether they should get the campaign or not and games like well you know results haven't been amazing up until the last couple of games and this is before last night game and he's like you know if they get beat tomorrow tonight then there is going to be more pressure on him but he should have been given two campaigns to start with anyway Ireland don't usually qualify for World Cups it's not especially lately it's not something they qualify for, but a Euros is something they can qualify for. There's a better chance, and not an easier chance. There's still a Euro still deadly when you get in, get to it because there's so many good European nations now. And so, I was wondering, like, why didn't the FII give him two campaigns, and why did they cause he's going to get that obviously sorted? But why did they why did they cause such a um or put such a a timer on him? Do you know I think what I mean? they've been burned by contracts before. You know, there's the famous Mick McCarthy contract that they gave. Or, or no, it was Giovanni Trapattoni before they went to the 2012 Euros. And then, you know, the 2012 Euros were the worst performance by an international team at a major tournament I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> so there's there's incidents like that that makes them burn before. Plus, there's, there's a lot of doubters in the FAI about, um, about Stephen Kenny, maybe even still. Um, because there's two camps. There's the there's the Robbie Keane camp within the FAI. Um, and I don't think this is a surprise to anyone. And Robbie Keane has friends among football journalists, and you so you'll see a lot of oh, there's there's you know this Stephen Kenny has one game to save his job and stuff like that. And that's all coming from with vested interests where, you know, Robbie Keane wants the Ireland job. Um, so the likes of Richard Dunn, who'd be a good mate for with Robbie Keane, would be you know, on TV and he'd be going, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know if the players respect him. And actually the one thing you cannot doubt about this Ireland side is that the players are absolutely 100% bought in oh. what Stephen Kenny is doing. Yeah. Because they they want to play football. They want they know that they have the ability. And what we're seeing now is the young players coming through, like uh, um, who we had at under 21 level. And they have played in this system and they have played this style for years. Um, so they know what is they know what he's trying to do now. He still has a weird soft spot for James McLean that I will not understand because like James McLean goes against everything that Stephen Kenny's system stands for, and yet McLean put in an absolutely like wonderful ball last night that Knight knocked down, um, for the third goal. Um, so I just think it's I I, I think it's. It, it, it's really interesting that like you have to take a lot of the media criticism of, of Stephen Kenny with a pinch of salt because it is coming from like there's one journalist in particular who you know basically ghost writes everything you read from, from Robbie Keane and will print anything Robbie Keane tells him as fact um, and you know you, you just have to take these things kind of you have to you have to look at the source I suppose sometimes sometimes of it but I do think he was in trouble after the Luxembourg loss I, I genuinely do think he was in trouble um, and I think what you're seeing now is that the players 100% saw said right if we don't get if we don't improve if we don't actually get this system to click then 
he's going to lose his job and we're going to go back to like Amic McCarthy or Giovanni Trapattoni who say we can't play football and just want to hoop the ball along. So I would much rather, and I might maybe in the minority of this, but I would much rather lose playing well because we've, you know, the team has tried to win than settle for a nil-nil draw and try and steal something on the break every single game. Like it just wouldn't be for me. Like, and Maybe that's growing up watching Alex Ferguson play, you know, coach teams play at Manchester United and stuff like that. I don't know, but it's it, it just goes against the the grain for me. So I think I, I I'm glad I was wrong. It's one of those few incidents where I'm 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 very, very happy to admit I got badly wrong. So No, I think I think that's I think that's for like getting chinned by Luxembourg. Um and I think there was an Armenia Armenia draw that week as well, wasn't there? Um, yeah. wasn't like getting getting chinned by Luxembourg was a low point, but as, like it was clearly the point as well where the players maybe 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 I don't know if it was the first time or not because I wasn't paying I don't pay enough attention. But certainly with the players were like, no, this is on us. Yeah. No, no, this is and they came out and like you seen Duffy say this week or the other night and uh, not before the Luxembourg game. I think maybe the Portugal game. We're nah, we're fully behind Stephen Kenny. Do you know what I mean? We're fully, we fully back the manager, and you can tell like there was even though they were beat, you could still tell that they felt more like a unit. Do you know, like a closed neck group. And if you get that in international football, like look at that Northern Ireland side that got to the Euros in France, um, not an amazing team by any stretch on paper, but they they absolutely smashed their group and got to the Euros because of. A manager that managed to get them to buy into what he wanted, and a squad that was so tight, yeah. so tight knit, that squad. They were probably around with her as well. You didn't get the same sense that they were as t- tight knit that squad as the Northern Ireland was. Whereas this young squad coming through with so many young talents, um, coming into it really does feel like there is something there that this nation league, as well. I saw last night, like a lot of. Irish fans and journalists were excited to hear this Nations League draw and to go again. Like the Viva the other night against Portugal was bouncing. The Viva had a good week to be fair to it. Um, but the Viva was bouncing and like, you know, he re- like I I am very pleased for him because I, I got the I got the chat to him once very briefly on a I, I did my I did a coaching course in Belfast. Um level two it used to be part b b ufb part one or something but they changed it and he was on finishing off as i think it was a license possibly and we were all in the same room on the first day and i got the chat to him briefly and he was so sound so lovely really like no words grace but like really really down to earth really like you know didn't look down at us or anyone at all because he was professional i think he was either at Derry, or I'm not sure where he'd gone in 2011, but I knew of him anyway. Everyone knew who he was, and he was a lovely, lovely man. And so sort of just, it nicely carried that way. And he has had some dung slung at him. Some absolute dung slung at him uh, from the Irish media, as, as you pointed out. And can I just point out as well, like, I'm, I'm allowed to say this, John Walters can absolutely get to fuck. Yeah. He is one of the biggest dickheads that he's comes out and, and oh well he's John the Tory Walters too which doesn't help but he like the the whole nonsense about it and, and you know as well Liam Brady Liam yeah. Liam 
<laughs> behave yourself, like, come on. And read the room. You know what I mean? That, like, he... Absolutely read the room. Like that, and like that was just nonsense. Some some of it is just absolute nonsense. And if you cannot, like, if your whole thing is, as you said, uh, obviously they want to back their mate or whatever, because they probably want to get on the payroll too. You know what I'm doing? Yeah. Um, like, I, stop asking these people to come on and comment. Do you know what I mean? That would be my my annoyance. If it was me. If I if I wasn't anyway inclined to either of the the Irish sides, and, I, and I'm really not. Like I'm sitting here wearing an Italy top for God's sake, sort of wind up around shows. <laughs> um, if I was anyway inclined to any of the Ireland sides, where I was really really properly passionate about it, and I was pardon me, in the media at all. If we were like we said, we wanted to be in the last poll we did together. We want to be full time. Want to be really do well. My whole thing would be. Like not propaganda is the wrong word, but really promote positivity around this. This is a brilliant story now, and I know it is Qatar and Portugal couldn't. Maybe people say they couldn't be arsed. Well, they're they're fucking chinned in the playoffs now, isn't it? So yeah. that went well for them. Um, and it was Luxembourg and whatever. So what? Do you know what I mean? It's about time an Irish side actually looked like a probably Ireland side. I mean, actually looked like they wanted to play refreshing, a good attacking football. Even Jack's teams. Jack Charlton's teams, not that I remember them too vividly, I only remember them from watching it back, but they weren't the greatest sides in the world to watch. No. No, they... they were great because they absolutely harassed everyone and everyone got in behind it and that was brilliant. Martin O'Neill's sides were diabolical to watch. Yeah. They were horrible. Do you know what I mean? They yeah, were horrible to watch. Like. The, the only thing, the only time I can remember Ireland playing good football in the last 20 years was the, the Paris... Debacle, the honorary handball. Thanks, Johnny, your fucking Ugh. hero. Um, yeah, like, but Ireland played amazing football that night. Like, it was an incredible game of football. They went toe to toe with one of the best teams in the world, and had to be cheated out of, uh, of what would have been a deserved win. So, like, did it's always felt like it's being capable. But I, th- I think you're what you said there is it, it is bang on about the idea of like. You know, there's suffering so much, um, like nonsense and really poor play for for so long. Like anything, any sort of green shoots at all will obviously be pounced upon. But the thing, the thing I don't understand most about all this is is Liam Brady, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought him up. Liam Brady is one of the most technically gifted footballers the island of Ireland ever produced. I would say probably the most. He's he's right up there with George Best in terms of the conversation on the island of Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. And he's the one that's leading the charge against the first manager in living memory who's wanted Ireland to play technical, skill-based football. It's so weird to me. And I know people get curmudgeonly in their old age, and I appreciate that he sees his role now as being the Eamon Dunphy in the panel. But, like... I was reading a piece during the week where, from 1981 where Liam Brady was giving out about Eamon Dunphy on the RT panel saying <laughs> Eamon Dunphy has too much negativity, uh, you know, too much, too many negative comments to say about the Ireland team. And I'm going, how the fucking circle has closed here, you know, that Liam Brady is the one that's kind of, now to be fair to him, he kind of did suck it up after the Luxembourg game and say, look, I still don't know if it's the right decision, but he's absolutely going to get a new contract after this. And so he kind of knew, he knows he's swimming against the tide. Like, um, 
but at the same time, it, it's so weird to me that someone so skillful, so, so such a wonderful footballer, in an era when you weren't allowed to be a good footballer because people were kicking the shit out of you, he was still a really, really good footballer. And there, there he is criticising Ireland for trying to play out from the back. And you're going, this does not make sense to me. So, look, it's, I think you're right. It's, it's a shame that the campaign is over now because you, it, it, I don't believe in momentum in terms of like, oh, that team has momentum. Oh. No, but I don't believe in momentum. But there is a groundswell of support around Ireland. Like Anu said, the Aviva was as good on Thursday against Portugal as it was for Ireland beating the All Blacks on Saturday. So like th- that'll tell you in a dead rubber game. And that's because the crowd have something to cheer for now. And it makes a difference when you've something, when you've a product on the field that you can actually get behind. And I'm sure Mick McCarthy could have managed Ireland to win in the draw against Portugal at home, but it would have been in a very, very, very different way. And I think that's the difference. It's the enjoyment factor. Because at the end of the day, look, we look to sport as a distraction. We look to sport as entertainment. As much as like it speak, as much as we feel it deeply when our teams lose and and enjoy it when our teams win. Ultimately, what it should be is a distraction from the real world. Um, mm. For the ninety minutes that the and I know footballers and athletes can do all sorts of good off the field and stuff like that. I'm not saying that at all. But for the ninety minutes the match is on, it's supposed to be entertainment. It's supposed to be a distraction, and that's what Kenny does. He he makes you want to watch Ireland again, which is I I haven't been able to say that in a long time. So fair play. Yeah, it's nice to have a bit of positivity. Um, even tonight. Uh, Northern Ireland are drawn. They're ho- holding the European Champions to a draw, which could end up putting Italy into uh, the playoffs because mm. they have to make sure that uh, Switzerland don't better their results and Switzerland drawn as well. But if Northern Ireland can hold Italy uh, to to a draw at Windsor Park, that's a stunning result too. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is Italy that what are they absolutely romped the uh, past everyone in the Euros? They were brilliant in, in Nations League. They're just a brilliant, brilliant side and um. Doing this and it's a full strength at least there as well. So yeah, I'm just looking at the lineup for the Italy team. It's like you can't <laughs> yes. say they're taking the they're taking their foot off the gas. Like so. not at all. That would be a massive result for Northern Ireland because Italy have to make sure they do get a positive result. So that'll be a humongous result. So a re- like a good we could finish off on a good good week here in the whole island of Ireland yeah. on football. But I'm sure some dickhead will point something out um, if it does go on in Northern Ireland's favourite night about the results, but. Yeah, international football. I was talking to Gareth Roberts on Friday on the show on Friday, and we both talked about international football. The qualifying doesn't doesn't do it for either of us. And I'll get into yeah. the tournaments, and I'll I'll get absolutely swept away in it, swept away in it. Um, but the qualifying just doesn't. I just check out for a little bit on football. Um, for I that think, week or ten days. I think there's something unique about how I, I need to be careful how I phrase this certain sections of people from the north and the vast majority of the people from the of liverpool for very i was going to say for fairly obvious reasons check out of international football um and i don't know if that's a bad thing because i was speaking to someone from liverpool actually this day last week i was out for drinks with, with with someone from liverpool and he said like he never he never feels English watching the English football team. He will watch 
Mane play international football. He will watch Salah play international football. He'll get yeah. behind the Liverpool lads who play for England. He'll get behind the Liverpool lads who play forever. Yeah. But he doesn't support England playing um, international football. Now he'll watch exactly like you guys had the conversation on Thursday. Like he'll watch tournaments and he'll get swept away with that as well. But there's a marked difference between what, watching a tournament and supporting a team. And I think it's interesting that Liverpool in particular that that is an attitude amongst, I would say, probably the majority of people. Uh, certainly, absolutely every single person I've talked to from Liverpool has felt that way. Um, and that may only be a few hundred people or whatever, but I think that that's a big enough sample size for you to kind of project it out that and it's probably the common consensus. I I, I, I love Mitley Top. I've Mitley Top on, so I could wind. Basically, just Andrew up. The middle mention because <laughs> Paddy knows I don't care. But if Connor Bradley gets on from Northern Ireland tonight, I want him to win the game. Mm. It, do you know what I mean? I get like, you. No, I completely I, get you. I was looking Brazil play Argentina tomorrow night, which is a class massive game. If Allison and Fabinho play up Brazil, yeah. When Suarez was at Liverpool up up Uruguay, so that type of thing. It is. I don't like. There is fairly obvious reasons, especially for people at Liverpool, why they mightn't feel it. Um, I I said it before. I just there's just too much silliness and nonsense for me to attach myself and feel like I have to attach myself to any side. I think Breton's sort of the same too, actually. To be honest, and possibly Johnny too. Where we like seeing both do well, and we don't care if both get beat. That is, yeah, you know what I mean? that's the attitude to like I would say of I would say the vast majority. Of, of, of people I know from the north as well, like they're in a very similar position. Um, yeah, and I don't think that's like no nobody's obliged. That's the other thing, and I think this is worth mentioning. Nobody's obliged to watch international football. Nobody's even discounting the politics that's clearly at play, say in the north and Liverpool in particular, right? But even aside from that, like nobody's nobody's forcing anybody to. It's the same with the rugby, like, and I don't. This is not a rugby podcast, and I won't dwell on it too long. But there's. Some rugby fans in Ireland are like, oh, how can you not support the team? It's a sign of, you know, United Nation and, you know, everyone coming together and, you know, all of these, all of these things. And I like rugby and I watch rugby. But more people watched Ireland and Portugal in a dead rubber than watched Ireland beat the All Blacks. Now, I was stunned by that because I think it's a fantastic achievement, Ireland beating the All Blacks. And people will say, oh, it's just friendly and all that nonsense, right? But then I have to remember. You can't, you don't, you can't force someone to watch the rugby. You can't force someone to watch hockey when Ireland are doing well at hockey. You can't force someone to watch cricket when Ireland are doing well at cricket. Like people like what they like. And I think that's fine. I think if we let people just like whatever it is they fucking like and let them on with it, because that's, again, I go back to what I said a few minutes ago, like it's supposed to be enjoyable. It's not supposed yeah. to be a debate about whether it's right or wrong to to celebrate this win or that win, and and like it's just enjoy it for what it is. Jesus, life is hard enough. I saw as well. Like I, I took a social media detox, but I saw only came back uh, this morning that um, there, there's always this thing as well. Like so, Ireland beat the All Blacks and they beat them again. Three times they beat them, but they haven't beat them in a World Cup, so it's it's, it's obviously a test match. Yeah. And people were like. Oh, you want a friendly? Celebrate a friendly. And f- so fucking what? Ireland beat... Oh, you only beat Luxembourg. 
so like like stop yeah. telling people what they can and can't celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Stop, stop. Like, unless it's fucking death. You can't celebrate some death. Don't we well, celebrate death? And, depends on who's and, dead. Well, yeah, sorry. well, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. But don't we celebrate <laughs> in, uh, brutal murder or something? Or yeah, well, okay, fair. Yeah. Atrocities or attack, terrorist attacks. You know, obviously, fuck off being that dickhead. But if, if, if a sports team wins a game, whatever context of that game, be it a test match, a friendly, a World Cup qualifier, a dead, whatever it is, let them celebrate it. Yeah. I don't get like that. That's one of the things that winds sometimes winds me up the most. It's part of the reason why I let the cat out of the bag now. Why I did check out of social media this weekend because I had a hunch Ireland were going to beat New Zealand. I told me, me and my mate Chris watch it together, and I said beforehand, I think Ireland are going to do something mad today. And I was like, I can't be arsed looking at the tug of war afterwards, social media later on if this does happen because I just wanted to enjoy two days of Ireland beating the All Blacks, and I did. Yeah. Yeah, and um, right. so, like, like every single person who says, "Oh, it was just a friendly," thinks they're the most original person in the world. Like, you're not. <laughs> like, you're really not. Like, well done. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, like put it this way, and and ninety nine percent of them are soccer fans, right? And absolutely everyone, single one of them, if Ireland beat Brazil in a friendly in the Aviva, would be out that night in the pub, fucking dancing on cars. And so just the friendly, like what, like, you know, it, it, it is just an opportunity for people who don't like rugby to have a dig at rugby. And if you don't like rugby, just don't fucking watch rugby. It's really that simple. Like mute, yeah. mute the hashtags on Twitter. If that's yep. your thing, like you don't, nobody, nobody is forcing you to sit down and watch this. Nobody is forcing you to read the tweets afterwards. You are making all those decisions yourself. And if that's how you want to spend your life, being annoyed by things you don't like, well, I'm sorry, but you are wasting your life. Oh, absolutely blown it away. Um, to move on from international football, Stephen. Yes. Casey brought a blog out, didn't he? Hairy hands, he did. The um, hairy hands of Qatar has written another blog, um, and it usually is he goes and he attacks uh, someone in the limelight that could be of. Uh, I need to watch myself here. No, no, um, they're they're usually young black athletes. Let's be fair, they are. There you go, bang, roasted. Um, usually that, yeah, they're usually young footballers anyway, or um, as you said, young black athletes or. As he got women. sacked off Sky yeah. Women. Um and that's why he's hiding off in Qatar. Um the absolute hurry handed prick. But he did a um he did, he did a blog, um a fantastic title. A great week for British coaching, but leave the big boy stuff alone, Connor. And the Connor here is Connor Cody, which we'll get to in a minute. So it, it, the, the the blog this week, and I'm gonna maybe get Brenton to, to to I don't know if you should share it, but a link to it anyway, because I do think you should all read it because it is Pure comedy gold, even though I have a funny feeling Richard's trying to be quite serious. Um, so we welcome Stephen Gerrard back uh, to, to the Premier League after obviously Stephen Gerrard accepted the village job, which you might touch on at the end of this, uh, towards the end of this podcast, actually. Um, and he said uh, that leaving Rangers was like a thief in the night and it was poor by Gerrard. People at Ibrox deserve better, not least the players, blah, blah, blah. Um, why leave like that? Why skulk off after being given your big break by Rangers? Now, I'm not sure if you're aware, Stephen, but Twitter, when Gerard did leave, Rangers and Celtic Twitter was 
it was absolutely beautiful for two or three days. It was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And I mean, like, there was obviously stuff about Gerard. If anyone throws in an Isle Rogers grenade, it goes off because he left for Leicester. Um, I I genuinely, now we, I don't know if we'll lose listeners or not here, and I apologise again. I'm not trying to get at anyone. I genuinely don't understand what the problem is here. I don't uh, Stephen Gerrard leaving Glasgow Rangers to go and manage Aston Villa. I I don't get it. I I don't get why people think uh, he should not have done that. He, like, I'd have done it for free. And that's not a slag at Rangers at all. That's like, you're going to Aston Villa to manage a team in the Premier League. You're leaving Rangers. I don't... <laughs> yeah. I, I, do you see? Do you I, see? Are people, you know what people are going to say? Oh, the fucking southern bastard's not going to say anything, is he? Because he's from there. But do you like? Do you see, like? Do you see anything wrong with that at all? Like, Celtic and Rangers are not big jobs. They're <laughs> they're not big jobs. They're like honestly, it's top of the championship stuff, right? So if Stephen Gerrard was managing a team at Derby County, or not obviously not Derby County, but a team at the top of the championship. And was offered the Aston Villa job. Nobody would be talking about him going away. That's what we're talking about he did. There isn't a team in the Premier League that eight times out of ten wouldn't beat Celtic or Rangers. Right? So why would he not go? Aston Villa have the third richest owners in the Premier League as well. There's money to be spent there to build that club into an actual proper football team who can, can be... Not necessarily maybe in the top four, but around about the Europa League spots should be their landing spot. His Stephen Gerrard has already shown with Rangers and with like a very limited palace that he had to work with, can do a job in Europe with with that team. Imagine what he could do with Aston Villa. Like I do not and like some some of the stuff about how could he do it on Remembrance Thursday and you're like <laughs> But I am sure when oh, no. lads went off to war in World War One, they were thinking, God, I hope the manager of Rangers doesn't leave on this day in 110 years' time. Because <laughs> fucking hell. Oh. Like, what? Like, but, and it wasn't just one side of it as well. The Celtic fans were just as bad because they know. Oh, they are just as bad. They're yeah, mental. Because too. they know that the, uh, like, the Brendan Rodgers thing, the Leicester thing, they've been through this, like, you know, and they have to defend the integrity of the Scottish Premier League and all that. But look, there isn't a manager in Scotland that wouldn't have taken that job. And it doesn't matter who they are. I, I, like, and this thing about oh, Rangers gave Stephen Gerrard, um, you know, the, his boost. Everybody knew who Stephen Gerrard was. He's won the European Cup. He's not someone who had to build a profile. Like, um, And fair enough, he's actually turned out to be a better manager than I thought. Because especially after his first couple of seasons, it was like touch and go as to, you know, oh, is this actually going to work or whatever? But I, I just don't see it as an issue at all. Like Aston Villa are in like by a factor of 10 a bigger club than either Celtic or Rangers. And Annie, I'm sorry if you support Celtic or Rangers, like, but that's the truth. Like, It's like someone leaving the League of Ireland or the Irish League to go and manage in Scotland. That's the jump. Like, And it's that jump again for, for Gerrard. They're not equivalent teams. Like, 
when you start getting, as I said, to the top of the championship, to a team like Norwich, maybe, okay, that yo-yos between the championship and the Premier League, then you might say, well, why is he doing that? Aston Villa are not that team. Aston Villa are and have potential to be a much bigger and better team than that. So, like, he's for his own career, as much as anything else, it was the right move because the worst thing he could have done, the absolute worst thing anyone can do, is be the manager after Klopp. Nobody wants to be that guy. And Jared is making the right moves to make sure he's not going to be that guy. There's so many... Like, there's so many good... Like, this is like some fucking Partridge on steroids would write. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like as if Partridge and... Uh, it's 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 actually not it's it's um ah oh, what do you call followed head, what do you call that actor ah oh, he was in my head um the main man in followed head what do you call him Dermot uh, Morgan Dermot Morgan this is like something the great Dermot Morgan would come up with yeah do you know what I mean like him and part and and Coogan together just mashed it and it would be this is just utter nonsense and there's a like this. This isn't even the best line, but this made me actually howl out loud. And they're probably, nobody's going to probably find this funny, but I did. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that the job he did at Rangers first class. If nothing else, he stopped Celtic making the ten in a row. Boom, bang, right in the chin. Celtic fans, there you go. I'll be them stoked. But this, <laughs> this is a step up. Bang, hits the Rangers in the bollocks. The last man to make a similar journey failed. It hurts me to say this because he's my mate. I'm sorry, Graham. <laughs> like, what? Like, <laughs> like, it hurts me to say this, right? So he's wrote those lines and then he's left it in and then hurt him. Do you know what I mean? It hurts me to say this. He's my mate. I'm sorry, Graham. Take it out, like. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're, it's your blog. You're in charge of this blog. Take it. And it's just the... I'm sorry, Graham. At the bit, I hope there's a hashtag starts. I'm sorry, Graham. When Soonis comes back on Sky, if anyone's listening, start that one. Um, and then he talks about. So he goes on. He talks about. Um, oh, oh, he talks about Norwich and they've hired Dean Smith and got rid of Daniel Fark and he talks about Eddie Howe and obviously and what's going on. Um, and he comes down to Connor Cody. Forget about the likes of Connor, but um. Connor Cody. All right. Talks about Eddie Howe trying to sign players. And I guess you'll find that out when you try and sign players in January. But forget about the likes of Connor Cody and his England colleagues who'll be demanding the FA hold Qatar. Now, bear in mind, Harry Hans is working in Qatar, isn't he? Yeah. He um, is. who'll, be, who'll be demanding the FA hold Qatar to task on the subject of human rights as soon as they've qualified for the World Cup finals. Blah, blah. Cody has announced. Cody's announced his colleagues will use their platform to make a difference to the issue of human rights. Will you, Connor? What exactly do you know about human rights? Will you use your platform to highlight abuses in Saturday when Newcastle come calling in January? <laughs> like, oh, what? Offering to fatten up your bank account? Have you been in touch with Jamal Kasogi's wid- widow? No, I thought not. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, I shouldn't, like, I'm laughing here, and obviously we're talking about Jam- Jamal Kasogi. Uh, he obviously got murdered in his widow, and I am no way laughing at that, but I'm just laughing at the nonsense of this here. Like, this is like when Finn huffs at me because I take a, the uh, a biscuit off him. You know, this is just such daft. You see, this is where it gets complicated when pop star footballers and the likes start to want to get taken seriously and they forget about the day job. <laughs> like, what the absolute fuck? Forget, forget about the day. Like, 
if ever a gammon portrayed himself as a gammon in his own piece of work, it is Richard Keith. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Like, the like, man has, has no... He's no... See, like, yeah, you or I, right? Writing that piece, okay. Say we were so inclined to write an article along those lines. We can <laughs> self-edit. Like, we know when something... You know, the, the Graham Soonest line is you talked about. You know, I've I've written things where I've gone... I've literally in, inhaled through my teeth, like... Yeah, you can't say that. And <laughs> I've taken it out. Uh, Rich Keys has no such filter. Um... But, like, it's unintentionally hilarious as well. Um, like, I think there's one line about it not being a walk in the Villa Park. And yeah, probably, I wanted you to do that line. He, he has he has high-fived himself after he's written that line. He's probably had a drink um, and thought to himself, yeah, that's that's the greatest line. And, like, take that, um, I don't know, William Shakespeare. <laughs> I was really struggled to think of someone who was good at writing there for a second. Um, <laughs> But no, it like the whole thing is a nonsense, and and that part, right? That part that you've gone through is objectively funny, okay? And then it gets really fucking dark for absolute. I would like like the, the the stuff about Connor Cody and the human rights in Qatar, like feels like it comes absolutely out of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. I've done stream of consciousness writing before, where you literally go from thought to thought to thought, and you don't think about it, you don't edit it. And I couldn't make that fucking leap that he has made there, like, to be honest. So it's, it, it, the thing is, right, he is paid by the Qatari government. So he is a shill for everything that's going on in that World Cup, okay? So that's where you have to read, that. that's the lens you have to put on for everything you read from Richard Keyes with the Qatar World Cup. Like, but the thing I, the thing I hate most about it is he actually has a point because it's all well and good, say, for example, Norway and all the protests that they, you know, got up to about the Qatar World Cup and highlighting all the stuff that went on. That's brilliant. The only way people are going to actually stop and ask, was this the right thing to do, is if teams boycott the World Cup. Now, they won't. We know they won't. We know what football is like. They absolutely will not. It's too late. And there are people who argue that, well, the people have died now and the stadiums are built, so it would be stupid to to, 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 to pull out at this stage or to boycott at this stage. But that's not the point. The point is supposed to be a point of principle. It's about, to, it's about raising... This should never, ever, ever have happened and should never, ever happen again. And... and from what I could gather from what was allegedly English uh, in what Richard Keyes wrote is that he's basically saying the Qatar World Cup is no big deal and we should probably host it there again. Like that that was the ultimate message I got from well the stadiums are built now, so like, you know, we might we we should we should repeat this experiment. So yeah, he's just an awful human being. Um, and it's a shame that so many... He is part of so many of my early kind of Premier League football memories because he was such a big part of the Sky coverage. Um, but, yeah, blo- like, I would I would cancel all blogging if it meant just to get rid, rid of Richard Keyes because it was so long. <laughs> I'd cancel all... All, uh, all writing, uh, all forms, yeah. All, all writing, yeah. <laughs> I'd cancel all form of writing and reading if it meant Richard Keyes wasn't allowed to blog ever again. 
He, he of course, uh, I knew before I even got through the piece that he's going to turn on Marcus Rashford. Obviously, uh, talks about um, again sticking to your day job. Uh, just pulling on a big shirt isn't enough. What? Yes, work can you do good, influence for better if possible, but never lose sight of your real job, lads. And in the case Cordy and his England co- colleagues, this is really sensitive, but be careful you don't cross the line in the territory you've, that you've no idea about. Yeah. Like, like, it's, like, all, it's a bit, it's a bit threatening there. Yeah. It's a bit threatening there. It's a bit threatening there, uh, Richard. And this, I, I like, this to me is a red rag to a bull when someone says, uh, Never lose sight of your real job, lads. Or no, like stick to your day job. Or if someone says, "Do your do your job, just do your job, right? Do your job." Like you should be allowed to smash their face in. Yeah, that's what you should be allowed to do. If someone says that to you in the public, stick to your job, blah, blah, You should be allowed to just headbutt them. Boof! Should be a free hit. Bang! Headbutt right in the corner of the nose, and on we get with. Because I I hate that type of condescending bollocks. I really do. And that's him saying this here. I hope. I, I you kind of don't want. Cody or anyone to acknowledge him and to move on is the better thing to do. But I'd I'd love someone in England set up or one of those two to just absolutely end him with something, you know, with a a comment or or, or something back. Not not to get him up, but just to something just to completely rip him to pieces because um he has completely lost the run of himself since he got boofed out of Sky, him and Andy Gray. And yeah. this was just like we said. We said we wanted to do a podcast and talk about writing, and and what a way it is. Half started. Uh, I'm talking about the Richard Keys blog that came out this week, and and on Qatar, Steve. Yeah. As well to move it off from Harry Hands. Um, the Premier League announced when they're gonna uh finish up, take a break for the World Cup in 2023 and we're going to stop on the 21st November next year so it'll be this will be coming up to the last week of the season for a couple of weeks mm. this time next year and then they're coming back on Boxing Day or Stevens Day and basically Premier League players are getting about a week's break either side it's not great is it it's not great and I know that we've known that this was going to be the case for for quite some time but I think it's going there's, there's two things could happen right it could lead because everyone's going to be in mid-season form it could be the greatest World Cup we ever see or which is much more likely because everyone's in the middle of a season and concentrating on I think you could see a raft of pre-tournament injuries where players make business decisions about not traveling to Qatar and you know in the middle of you know it is winter obviously but like it's going to be very very warm still and go do you know what there'll be another world cup I'll I'll have a dodgy hamstring um and I could I, I think that we will see a few players kind of make those decisions in advance but in terms of the actual break, I don't think it's long enough at, at all. I would have thought it would have been two weeks after. And like a week before, okay, fair enough. But that's not really a long time in camp, is it? Like before pre-World Cup or anything no. like that as well. So like the quality of football will probably suffer for that as well. And, you know, it's going to be... We know it's been a shit show from the start. And I, I just can't... Nothing has changed my mind that it's not going to be the same once the tournament actually gets underway. I actually would worry that some of them, 
might go the other direction, whereas there's an an injury before the club season ends, mm. and then they're good to go with their countries. You yeah. know, interesting. Because there is there is some people that, and there's no right or wrong here. Like people say, well, your club's playing his wages. That's that's fair enough. The club's playing his wages. But if if a man or a woman footballer cares more about their international football career, then I think that's pretty fair too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think someone you could see. I certainly think I think a a quite a good Argentinian footballer may not pay play that much for PSG. Uh, yeah, the start of next season. Um, uh, put it that and, way. Unfair because this is his last chance. So yeah, this is his last. I actually do. Well, thought about it close to obviously like close to them. I do fancy Argentina to do something daft in that World Cup. Um, but I think yeah that you know you you could see things like that. Um, whether do I think any Liverpool players will do it? I'm not sure. Don't know. Don't don't know. But I do think there will be possibly um. A few across all the leagues, maybe some at the smaller nations as well. That you know, this could be their one chance to play in a World Cup or something. You might just see that they have pick up a little bit of an injury or a bit of a knock, and they can't play. Maybe the two games or the game before you meant to stop, and they get a bit of an extended break, and then they're fresh to go. And plus, it's the way it is. Literally for the Premier League lads, it's a week, and then you're off to the World Cup. Those matches, I think, are going to be weird. The last weekend before the World Cup you could see some daft results because you could see players being like I can't fully commit here do you know yeah, yeah. so you, you could you could see some mental results and some you, well, we'll see what happens close to the time but it, I think the thing for everyone last week well for everyone on our pod possibly last week anyway I can't speak for the whole of the world <laughs> I'm not president of the world yet Um. I think for everyone here, it was. It's inevitable now. It is going. It is going to go through. Then so it is. We're our. This is it. You know, not that we were all holding out that something was going to happen in Qatar. Was maybe not. There was never any real talk of it getting boycotted. But so we knew it was coming. But this sort of stamped it that, ugh, we are going to go ahead with this. Then that's it. It's going. It definitely is now. The years, the dates are being released or finished. The World Cup qualifiers are finishing. Just sort of felt like ugh. Because it just, and it's not that, look, I'm all for the World Cup being played across everywhere and, and giving people a chance to host it and all this here, but with the amount of problems, issues, human rights issues that have happened with Qatar, I, it kind of ha- held out hope that something was going to happen down the line. It's gone far too far down the line now. And the just the feel of a Winter World Cup just, just doesn't feel... <laughs> That, that That is the other thing, right? Because we are so used to, we have our season and then we have the summer, we have the, the, the World Cup to look forward to. Like, they, they've ruined that for us. <laughs> we just have yeah. season with the World Cup around Christmas, grand, fair enough, whatever. And then, then we have more season and it's going to feel like almost like the season, like, like if you're a team at, to- at the top going into the World Cup break, and then, like, how do you how do you you know capture that magic? And I know other countries have like other than the Premier League have like winter breaks, but not a month long or six week long winter break, you know. Um, so, like, and I just think do you know what it it it's worth it's worth pointing out some of the things that have happened, right? Because we we talk about why Qatar is bad, right? But we never 
I think one or two times we've gone into the details, but for anyone who hasn't kind of like heard like what the why is Qatar bad? Okay. So I just if you if you'll indulge me here for a second, right? Of so course. this is according to Amnesty International's report. So the number one issue is obviously deaths. There's been upwards of six thousand people have died in terms of building the, the stadiums. And obviously that's horrific. That's obviously like you know, no human life is worth the building of a football stadium. But to get there in the first place, to actually fucking build the stadiums and maybe risk losing their life, people from Nepal, Bangladesh and India have had to pay recruitment agencies 500 to $4,500 for the right to be there to do it. That comes off their wages that they get um, when they get there. And then some of these people are in Qatar anyway and they have to pay but they pay these fees because they think okay I need to work on this job to 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 keep the my residency status in Qatar because obviously you know even if they do earn um so like yeah for example like so the salary for people working in the stadiums was supposed to be $300 a month it actually ended up being $190 now people will say well that's better than the average wage in India or Nepal or Bangladesh or whatever but you know you're still earning a third less than what you thought you were going to earn. And now remember that you used to pay that fee at the start as well. Most of the workers lived in cramped, dirty, unsafe accommodation. They looked like prisons. And the thing was, Qatar changed their law around workers' welfare standards to allow for four beds per room um, for World Cup workers. So they've actively changed their laws to, to, to make conditions worse for people. Going back to the salary thing, they were supposed to be paid monthly. Most of the time, the building companies paid them uh, using recruitment-related loans, which is, you know, the equivalent of payday loans in, in the UK and Ireland, which obviously are never, ever a good thing, and you should be avoided at, at, at all costs. And, um, you know, there's there's one guy that Amnesty International interviewed. His name, he was a metal worker on the Khalifa Stadium, and his salary was delayed two months basically so if he worked in march he'd get that salary in may Um, his family was homeless his two kids had to come out of school he couldn't sleep at night because he was so worried about the the thing they can't leave the stadiums they're working on they have id cards that let them be in a certain area and that is the only area that they're allowed to be in they can't leave the country they can't change jobs because their visa is dependent on it and they're threatened that if they speak to the likes of uh, Amnesty International or they speak to the media, that they'll lose their job and they'll take have all their money and their sponsorship for staying in Qatar taken away from them. Now, so that's all that. And that's all the shit pay. And some of that's forced labor as well. Not everyone's choosing to do it, okay? Mm-hmm. One of the firms, the ones that refurbished the Khalifa Stadium, made $90 million for building the stadium. A subcontractor on that stadium made $35 million. UEFA will make $2 billion from the game. From the World Cup. The average salary for the workers who worked on the Khalifa Stadium, which is going to, the one that's going to host the World Cup final, I think, was $220 a month, compared to $2 billion that FIFA is probably going to make from, from the World Cup. So these these when we talk about human rights issues in Qatar, we're not talking about... It's not... We're not talking about the Saudi Arabia level of killing your political enemies what we're talking about is people dying to build fucking football stadiums 
for a third less than they were promised to pay, to have to pay up front, to have their salary delayed, to live with three other people that they don't know, to not be allowed to leave the stadium. Like, is that worth, is that worth a World Cup? I would argue in absolutely no world is that worth a World Cup. So you can see why when Conor Cody comes out against the Qatar World Cup, when the Norway football team come out against, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about conditions that you would never put up with in Ireland or in the UK or in Northern Ireland or wherever. You would be appalled by these things. But because it's happening thousands of miles away, people are going, look, it's football at Christmas, I'll take it. And that's... uh, if if you know we have i think i think we have a good balance on this podcast where we talk about the serious stuff we can make jokes about rangers and celtic we can do all the same things in the one podcast but if you just please know that when you're watching the world cup next year that people died to build that stadium or people went into debt for the right to go to qatar and earn a shit salary to build that stadium like that's the yeah. best scenario that is the best case scenario like just just let that sit in your mind and ask yourself mm, you know maybe fifa aren't the best people in the world for world football and let's start to change from there and i don't know what that change is but let's have the conversation because the only way we get that thing out in the air do these things out in the air is if we have the conversations no it's you're you're absolutely bang on it's 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 such a weird one it's 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 really really it's not hard how to feel about it because we've we've said how we feel about it we're not as a podcast we're just like this just doesn't feel right it's and you have to be careful too because there's not not everyone in Qatar involved and Qatar is 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 an arsehole yeah and there'll be there'll be people there that are that are so excited that a World Cup's gonna be here for them which which I get too. But the fact it's just it stinks like the what's been going on and how people have been treated and then we're gonna go and have this global party onto it big massive sport washing event where you know it's gonna be portrayed as a big smelly bubbly carnival when really it isn't and and there's probably a podcast in World Cups where really and truly there's a lot that goes on that is never talked about because people just focus on the football and the carnival of the football when really and truly behind the scenes it's corrupt as fuck but uh, this one especially is honing in on it so hopefully people do continue to do good work on it and raise it and speak about it and do highlight it and and during the World Cup it goes side by side yes this is the football that's going on and there's great football happening hopefully there is good football that happens but there is also the human rights element beside this and what's been happening and the deaths and as you said people going in debt to go out there and work and how people are being treated and it is highlighted just as you know I hope the football the media companies that are going to cover it do that just as well as they do the coverage of the actual games themselves yeah I think a lot of them are are, are thinking along the same lines I think we we'll, we should give them credit for that like uh, you know there's very few media organisations that are just ignoring it with the notable exception of being sports <laughs> for, for the <laughs> obvious reasons. Nice. And their employees, yeah, and their employees. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to catch up on the live football tonight, Switzerland are now winning 3-0 against Bulgaria, which means Italy have to win 2-0 or they go into the playoffs and Italy are currently drawing 0-0 with Northern Ireland. And I think Northern Ireland possibly should have scored through George Savile. So, 
Um, yeah. I'll, it looks like I've jinxed Italy, which is typical of me, and all, which is great too, obviously for the for the Renshaw brothers um, to get a good result for Northern Ireland. But then there's part of me too, and I'm sure people are thinking about this as well. If you follow Northern Ireland, we're helping Switzerland out here, and they have absolutely bollocked us in the last couple of campaigns with some dodgy result, dodgy uh, refereeing decisions and whatnot. And now, now we're possibly going to help them qualify for a World Cup. <laughs> so um, I'm sure people are sort of stuck in a catch-22 there. Um, well, at least if Switzerland get to the World Cup, it's a big plus. What a, what a way to go out. I um, <laughs> we've done an hour. I think we'll park it there for Monday. Um, myself and Johnny will hopefully be back. Possibly yourself too, Steve, because Johnny just told me he's moving house tonight and he has no Wi-Fi. So well, there you go. That's what we do on the Babel. Um, Hang on a second. Did uh, you say he's moving house and he's no wife or no Wi-Fi? No Wi-Fi. No. Ah, okay. Tessie's still sticking around. She's going to go through with a big day for a player. Um, right. But yeah, we've no he's no way. But I think that'll do us for this week, Steve. Uh, just myself and you obviously on this week. The lads will all be back either during the week or next week, and we'll get a full house hopefully again. Talk about the football because the Premier League and the uh, more other other major leagues are back at the weekend. Plus European club action coming up uh, the following week as well. So a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. Um, and obviously Thursday night, myself and Johnny I'll have to talk about the up and coming Arsenal traveling downfield. Which could be the end of Thursday Night Babel. Uh, so, yes, we'll get into that. Um, folks, as always, catch all of our stuff across your social media on Instagram and Twitter. Brent does brilliant work on those. Check out your our podcast, Football Babel, on any of your podcast apps. Just type that in, you'll find us. And the Patreon is patreon.com forward slash football babble. Boom, there you go. I managed to get it with Steve prompt me in the end, but there I got it. So, folks, thanks for listening. Thanks as well for the comments on the podcast with uh, Gareth Roberts uh, last week. He was brilliant. Um, it's a brilliant chat to get to sit down and chat with him about about the Liverpool and the Anfield rap. They're one of the leaders in podcast and media. They do it so well. So, trying to give us our time was amazing. Thank you again for that, Gareth. Hopefully, get him on towards the end of the season too. And um, enjoy the rest of the week and enjoy the football as well. Chat to you and good luck. That's great.